I remember those conversations. So they really wanted us to be good people and they wanted us to be happy and healthy. And, you know, they weren't weighing us and they weren't inquiring about our diets. And so, I mean, fortunately I had that experience. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of What Makes You Think, the show that flips the traditional interview format, showing you a unique and often funny side to some of your favorite figures in sports and entertainment. But don't worry, we get to some real stuff too. I'm your host, Nicole Langevin, and my guest today is a three-time U.S. national team member and a world championship bronze medalist. She's currently working towards sharing her message and methods of wellness to athletes across all sports. I introduce to you, Teresa Kulikowski. Well, hello, Teresa. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I know you are uh, also a mom, so (laughs) you get how sometimes things don't exactly go how you wanted them to go. And I may have a little one or two flying through the screen at some point, and sounds like you may also, so we'll just, we'll roll with it. That's the power of editing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank God. (laughs) Yes. So I'm not sure how much of the show that you have heard before, but I know I kind of let you know that I like to warm up my guests in an interesting, different kind of way. And now you and I have not met before. No. You can confirm that, right? Okay. Right, right. So when I do know my guests, I can sometimes pull things little quirks from their personalities or anecdotes that I know, and then use them in the warm up. But since we don't know each other, I had to do a little digging and find some people that did. So (laughs) it's all great stuff. So we are going to do a little game called who said it. Okay. All right. And it's exactly like it sounds. I'm going to read you a quote from somebody from your past or current. And you're going to let me know who said it. Now, if you need a hint, I can give you a hint. But in general, I I do need to let you know that, you know, sometimes I try to find some dirt, right? Like, (laughs) is there an embarrassing moment or anything? And it was, that didn't happen with you. So you can rest (laughs) assured. (laughs) Hopefully that's a good thing. (laughs) All right. So you ready for the first one? Yeah. Okay. So the first quote is, We heard some whispering at the chalk bucket, and it turns out she was worried that Cranky Frankie would be showing up to coach that day. (laughs) I bet it's Lori Forster, I would imagine. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Cranky Frankie. Cranky Frankie. Oh, my God. And and we'll go back. We'll go back because we need to hear a little bit about that one. So we'll go back to those. My next one is, if there has to be a selection committee... I think Teresa should be assigned to every single one because I know for a fact that she would stand up for every athlete and stand up for what is right. Oh, wow. I have no idea. Oh, but thank you. (laughs) That sounds very kind. I will give you a a little bit of a hint. She, let's see, she went for the 2000 team. So she was just, you know, just behind you. She, she made it. She did not make it. So she may have some strong feelings about selection processes and committees. She's uh, very much known for her power and her artistry. Not so much bars. Vanessa Atler. Yep, oh, that is from Vanessa Atler. Oh my gosh! Thank you, Vanessa. <laughs> that that is very kind. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to the third one. And like I said, we're going to go back and talk about these. All right, you ready for this one? I got to I gotta kind of warm up my, my mouth a little bit for this one. So okay. unique New York, unique New York. Okay, you ready? <laughs> yeah. Hot a bull sled. Oh, my gosh. Hot. Hot a yeah. bull sled. Yeah, turn my name around. <laughs> Where did, wow, you did do some digging. I did. I did. So you remember that yes. phrase, if we call it, that hyphenated I word. The phrase. Was it somebody at Ariel's or? Yes. And if I'm wrong, I'm editing that out, but I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> a teammate or a coach? Teammate. Christy Powell. It was Christy Powell. It was Christy. Oh. <laughs> Okay, she and I just recently reconnected. That was really nice. 
Yeah. So she, I, I messaged her and asked if she had an anecdote or anything she could share. And she said, I think maybe we should have a phone call because this might not work. (laughs) Okay. The doctor and I'm like, I'm so glad this is over a phone call. Cause if you had messaged me hot a bull sled, I would have gone, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah. I was like taking every syllable of my name and flipping it around. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's just go backwards then. So yeah, Yeah. tell us a little bit about that and, and maybe just, you know, if you have any little uh, reflections or anecdotes on your time training with Christy. I'd love to hear that too. Oh my gosh. Well, Christy and I were such good friends. Um, I mean, I guess we spent three, three or four years together training and from like the age of 12 or 13 to 16, 17. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we just had so much fun in and out of the gym. I mean, obviously there were those times that <laughs> that we got to share in our misery sometimes, but like sleepovers outside of the gym and we would hang out with Donnie Thompson. Um, it was just kind of our group, you know, we were all training really hard in the gym, but then we made sure that we had some fun outside of it. And this, this hot a bull sled. So your, your last name is very unique. And I, I mean, I remember watching you and I just loved saying your name because I thought it was so cool. <laughs> and there definitely was some, some punning off of the cool part of your name when you were in at college. the peak, maybe of your elite career, maybe in college. Yeah. Maybe it was yeah, a college, college thing. I remember I was cool. nicknamed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. You would know more than I would. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just, I love that. And I love the, you know, you hear something like that and you're like only somebody that you have a close relationship with can come yeah. back with something like that, right? You get this and it's like, well, they spent a lot of time together. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> right? And I don't even remember when that happened. Like if it was at a conversation in the gym or we were just goofing off, like yeah. I, I totally remember the word, but I don't remember how it came about, you know? <laughs> well, she told me, so hot was the opposite of cool. Right. Bull was the opposite of cow kind of, and then sled and speed. So it sounds like there are, yeah, there are a lot of different ones. So, so how much time did you guys spend together? How much were you training when you were training together at club? Do you even Um, remember? Training for Olympic trials, you know, we had compulsories back then. So we had to train eight different routines. And so we would, we had two a days, I think three days a week. So we were Mm -hmm. in the gym, like two out, two and a half hours in the morning. We'd go back for five in the evening and then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we trained for five hours. And I think Saturday, five hours. So do the math. <laughs> yeah, that. I, I don't want to do the <laughs> math. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it it's a lot. lot. Yeah. All right. So let's go backwards. Uh, let's go backwards to this Vanessa Atler comment. So if there are yeah. to be a selection committee, I think Teresa should be assigned to every single one because I know for a fact she would stand up for every athlete and stand up for what is right. So how do, what does that make you think when you hear that? Well, it makes me feel so good. I mean, I really, really appreciate that. And um, I mean, I think Vanessa understands that the process can be so painful. And um, if you don't make the team, it's going to feel unfair in some way. And so I really appreciate that she values my honesty and, and you know, hopefully authenticity and, and the desire to to do what's right, you know, for the athletes, having been through it myself. And yeah. Is that ever a role that you've even thought about being involved in, in that world again, whether it be athlete rep or anything like that, or have you kind of shut that door and you're on to other things? No, I mean, I've definitely wanted to become more involved. I've just been, I've been quite ill, you know, for the past seven years and, um, and haven't been able to do a whole lot outside of the home. So, and my stress tolerance is actually very, very low. (laughs) So those kinds of positions would be very high stress and um, I don't really have the reserve. (laughs) So you're saying dealing with the hardest, most intense sport in the world and then having to crush people's dreams is not really suitable to your lifestyle right now. I hear you, I hear you. (laughs) I take a toll, yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I would love to be involved in the sport in any way that I can. And if I had my health, my God, I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to this cranky Frankie comment. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love that she, uh, I, I was very grateful that she submitted that because I don't know her. I just kind of took a stab in the dark and said, hey. But again, I think that's a testament to you. You know, they, she called you T and she just said, you know, she's so glad that, that you're being highlighted. So, yeah. But yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? I think I had just learned that his middle name was Franklin and yeah. and he was kind of in a bad mood that day and and I just and I didn't talk that much back then I was very quiet and didn't really speak up and just kind of did did my job and for whatever reason Tom was in a bad mood and I think maybe Lori and Michelle Dusser we were like over away from him and I you know made some kind of comment about oh there's cranky Frankie again and and they were both like what <laughs> what did she just say cranky Frankie <laughs> so yeah that was so it really sounds funny. like that was probably like one of the most risque things you've ever said from what I hear about you <laughs> maybe back in the day yeah, yeah hopefully yeah. I'm a little more vocal now but <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, just thinking about your training and this has nothing to do with where you trained or you personally or who you, who your coaches were, but I like to ask this of athletes that were during your era, you know, there's a, there's kind of a, a assumption when you think of elite athletes and elite training in the nineties, what that was like. And there's this kind of and now I was not an elite, so I'm not speaking from experience. I was a level 10. I was outside that world, but I was so interested in it. So mm -hmm. I would listen at camps and clinics to coaches talking and I would I watch the background when I was watching it on TV because I just really wanted to know, how did you guys do that? What was going on? What was behind it? And so the assumption from the outside was there was a lot of secrecy right? There was a lot of, okay, well, this club now has two elites. And so, you know, we don't want them to steal our kids. So we're going to put a big barrier over here when we warm up and you can't see the drills that we're doing because we're doing this over here and you do that over like very, hmm. very opposite of what's going on now, where there's a lot of sharing of, of knowledge and drills and, and approaches and everything. There's also the idea that it, it wasn't the kindest environment emotionally for many athletes at the time. Can you speak to that at all? Like, do you, when you, when you look back and think about gymnastics in the nineties, elite training, whether it was you or just competitors, do you see that as well? I mean, I feel fortunate because I had healthier coaches and, you know, I still consider Tom and Lori, like my second parents. I spent more time with them than I did my own parents really. So, um, I think I was fortunate in my experience. I, I definitely think that the culture was not healthy in some ways, you know, and there were yeah. definitely gyms that I knew of that were maybe verbally, emotionally abusive. Um, but quite honestly, I kind of just did my thing. And yeah. I was a little bit naive to what was going on around me, um, yeah. for better or for worse, you know. But I, I really feel like Tom and Lori tried to groom us as human beings. And I remember conversations, you know, if he would take us aside sometimes and, and, and give us talks about like, you know, what's really important is who's going to be at your funeral? You know, what kind of a person do you want to be? And right. I remember those conversations. So they really wanted us to be good people and they wanted us to be happy and healthy. And, you know, they weren't weighing us and they weren't inquiring right. about our diets. And so, right. I mean, fortunately I had that experience. So I'm so glad to hear that as I think people need to hear that. Yeah. That it wasn't yeah. all, it wasn't all that. And Wendy Bruce was actually my first interview of this podcast. And mm -hmm. she had a very, it was, it was just very refreshing to hear her speak of her coaches that way as well. You know, mm -hmm. she, yeah. she felt like Kevin and Rita were more concerned with her as a human being. And one of the things that she said that I thought was so powerful was that the way that they treated her the relationship they had, the love that they had for her was not contingent on performance. Yeah. And that was, I, I just thought that was so nice to hear. Yes, there are things that thank God they're not the same way yeah. and thank God they changed. But I think it's also really important to highlight the fact that not every single elite athlete in the nineties had that experience. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I remember, I mean, I told Michelle years later, just Michelle Ducer, because she came in and coached us too. 
this was after the trials and I kind of like went through a depression and was just really struggling and um, was crying one day at the gym and she pulled me aside and was just like, you know, what's really going on? And and I remember that conversation so vividly because my parents were separating and there were other things going on. And and for her to just sit down and say, you know, how are you? It was so impactful. Yeah. Again, yeah, outside of gymnastics. You, yeah. You're spending like, right, we didn't do the math, but you're spending however many amount of hours with with an adult. You would hope that they have your best interests at heart outside yeah. of the actual sport. There's a responsibility there. Yeah. And I, I, I sure as hell felt like that when I was a coach too, just that, yeah, you, you've got other people's babies and yeah. the hours that they're normally home getting these lessons or getting these messages, they're, they're getting it from you. So I'm really glad that you had that experience. And I know that as far as your elite career, maybe you didn't end where you wanted it to end, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that the journey mm-hmm. was, you know, was a positive one. Yeah. So I want to read you one more quote, and this is not anything for you to guess. I just want to read it to you because I, I think you should hear it. Mm. And you know, in the in the Yelp society that we have now, where people are so quick to complain, people are not usually as quick to compliment. So yeah. I wanted to read you this. This is from Christy, and these are her words. So I just mm. wanted to leave you with them for the end of our warm up, which is. Mm. Do you have any Kleenex by you, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) She's always believed in the good in people and wanted to see that. That quality has withstood the test of time for her. Going into the military, having a compassionate heart and wanting to serve. I've always admired that quality and it pushed us all to be better. Oh, wow. Christy Powell? Yeah. (laughs) She's so sweet. (laughs) Yeah, she kind of likes you. I'm glad you you guys reconnected. I love her. Yeah, we had such a great conversation the other day. She actually also had um, an interesting anecdote. And she was talking about that quality in general. But but when you were younger, it was you were uh, just kind of expected that adults and people around you were doing the right thing. And one day you happen to hear somebody, I think it was Tom, make a comment. I think you just overheard him. I don't think he was talking to you, but that there was somebody that lied and you genuinely went, adults lie? Like you didn't... Like, I think about that when I think of Teresa, because it's just, it was probably a crushing moment for a kid, but like how much that right there exemplified your your view on the world and you're like, wait a second what do you mean a little innocent yeah thank you for sharing those that oh of course of course you know you don't know the things that other people think of you when they're positive you really yeah. don't tend yeah. to hear that very often one of the other businesses i have is my gym judge and i co-own it with chelsea memel oh. and we hosted yeah we hosted a virtual adult meet at the beginning of June. Mm -hmm. And it was really beautiful. It was just, you know, people from all walks of life and it was only women's events. We used Excel rules, but anybody could compete. So we had guys doing beam and it was just, it was really cool. And everybody was so supportive, but it was funny because I got an email the other day from this woman who just went out of her way to tell me that her favorite part of the day was during awards when my four and six-year-old came and sat on my lap and I announced awards and they clapped and hooted and hollered for every single person. Oh, and I, wow. I read it to my six-year-old son and I said, you know, you, you don't realize the impact that you have. Like that was yeah. almost two months ago. And that lady looks back and her favorite part of the day was you cheering. So just oh. keep, keep cheering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep cheering for everybody. More of that. Yes. Yeah. Whether they tell you they appreciate it or not. Right. Yeah. We need yeah. more of that energy. Yep, for sure. All right. So we're going to go into a video review portion. Got a little contest for you guys. I am giving away two free coaches consultations. These are going to be over Zoom unless you live in Connecticut. The way you can participate is by going on Twitter and letting me know who is your favorite guest so far on this show. When you do so, please make sure to tag at YouThinkPod and use the hashtag YouThinkPodContest. Two winners will be randomly selected on September 1st and will receive a free coaches clinic 
on one of the many topics that I offer from technical to philosophical to artistic to management to anything gymnastics. Let's leave it at that. All right. I can't wait to see your responses, guys. This episode is brought to you by Creatively Disruptive, the marketing team behind your team. They can help you strategize and execute marketing campaigns to help your business thrive. Check them out at creativelydisruptive.com. You can also join the Gymnastics Marketing Facebook group. It's an absolutely free resource. And when I say resource, that is an understatement. There are countless resources within the group of helping business owners to support what they're doing, support what they've gone through and help them improve. So check out that Facebook group. This episode is also brought to you by Cornerstone Traveling Conventions. Bring the coach's education to you. Gym owners, you're going to love this. You can erase the costs of all travel expenses that you would normally incur sending your coaches to coaches education events. Instead, the convention comes to you and your coaches will be educated on everything from preschool to team and everything in between, as well as business tracks. If you're interested in bringing a Cornerstone convention to you, you can send an email to Cornerstone Conventions Gym. G-Y-M at Gmail. Again, that's Cornerstone Conventions Gym at gmail.com. Let them know you're interested and get your staff moving towards motivation and education. So I am going to play a few different videos for you. I'm going to turn the volume down on the videos and I just want you to reflect on what it is that you're watching. Okay. All right. You see this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. This is me doing uneven bars at the 1996 Olympic trials, the optional competition. So this is my optional routine. Did a Tkachev straddle back, which we don't often see anymore. Bars are too far. And a straight yeah. body handstand that we don't see very often. Yeah. <laughs> a Higgins. And so I was supposed to do a Jaeger half there. He oh. taught me a skill called a Jaeger half, and I was a little bit off. And then blind change, double front. Get the rise on that double front. That is not a scary one. (laughs) Sometimes they're scary. Yours was a piece of art, I have to say. So nice. Thank you. So, all right. So a Jaeger half. So were you going to do that piked or straddled? Straddled. Yeah. So it was a Jaeger. Yep. Jaeger. And then you catch in a mixed grip. Mixed grip. Uh Uh-huh. And then just... And that, you know, back then it, you wouldn't get a deduction if you kind of swung and then re-gripped. So, yeah, but I remember being just slightly off. So I just did the Jaeger, you know, normal Jaeger and then kind of a half turn and, and, half turn. and, and kept going. Yeah. But it's funny because I don't remember, I was so in the zone in that competition that I don't really remember the routine. <laughs> so that was, that was day two. Yep. Right. So going into that meet now, by the way, a little side note, I um, was wearing khaki shorts and a polo shirt and running scores during that meet. It was in Boston. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Boston. That was a cool city. Yep. So I remember that vividly. (laughs) And so did you, you know, like we, we look at the teams now and it's like, okay, you kind of know, or you think, you know, going into that one, it was still a seven member team. Mm -hmm. Did you guys go in feeling like you had all the information and knew exactly what you needed to do? Or do you feel like there were things left to the powers that be? And you were just like, I'm just going to do my gymnastics and see, like, was it laid out for you? Mm, I don't ever remember thinking about a selection process or anything like that, because I don't think there was a selection committee in 96. I think 2000 was, yeah. Again, yeah. I was kind of naive, which was probably yeah. good. I mean, thank God we didn't have social media and things back then because we just got to focus on our gymnastics. And I mean, we spent months prior to the trials reading um, mental toughness training for sport. And I felt so mentally prepared going into that competition. And and after falling on day one, you know, I fell on beam, the forward roll, <laughs> forward roll. I fell on that. Which was actually a harder, you know, it's harder than it sounds. Um, it is. It is. Yes, that was your a hard spine's got to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you roll up over your shoulders, so you uh-huh. kind of go off crooked. Yeah, Anyways. yeah. So yeah, but I think after falling the first day, I just went into the second day thinking, I have nothing to lose. You know, I'm just gonna put it all out there and 
And it was really one of those zone performances where it was just yeah. like, okay, I have my mental cues, let it go. And at, at that competition, because so I, I do, when I do consultations and I, a lot of stuff I do, I like talk to parents as well. Mm-hmm. I have this little spiel that I let them know about, which is basically the, the most stressful meat of the year is not the peak meat. It's the second to last meat. <laughs> so for level tens, it's regionals for level eights. Mm-hmm. It's getting to regionals. So it states for compulsories, it's sectionals because they want to get, once you get there, that's the after party. It's, it's that second to last meet. And so I talked to them about, you know, they want to know, and this is for parents, what are we getting out of this sport? If only four people go to the Olympics every four years, and if there's only a certain amount of spots for scholarships, what, what else is my kid getting out of this besides Mm -hmm a good workout. Right. Right. So I talk to them about the second to last meet of the season. And I tell them your kid every single year stands at beam and waits for the judge to give them the signal at their second to last meet of the year, knowing that everything they've done and everything they might do after this is dependent on this moment. Mm-hmm. These are children. Right. And they wait for the signal and then they get on a four inch beam and flip. Yeah. I don't know many adults that can withstand that sort of pressure or the training that is involved to get to that point. So that's yeah. what your kid is getting out of gymnastics. Right. But I, right. I say that, and, and with the consultations, I when we're talking about, you know, where should your season peak? Your kid mm-hmm. should peak at the second to last meet. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Olympics is a little different story. But in general, for, mm-hmm. for kids in club, it's the second to last meet. That's where you mm-hmm. peak, and then you just coast coast in after that. Yeah. But the reason I'm asking that is because, you know, I know what it's like at a, as a level 10 being at regional, standing at beam, waiting for the signal, mm-hmm. feeling like I'm going to pee my pants <laughs> and having an out-of-body experience stumbling <laughs> on beam. Yeah. You know, when you're at at that level and your your level of mental training clearly was was beyond that of of where I ever was. Mm-hmm. Did you did you have that feeling of gravity that maybe looking back you're like holy shit, I can't believe I did that. Did it feel yeah. like we would think it feels, or did you just were you just doing gymnastics? Mm. That was a long way to ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think back to elite gymnastics, and I think to collegiate gymnastics, um, and they were different experiences because in elite gymnastics, I was very, I was always very nervous and competition was not comfortable for me. We didn't get a lot of experience, you know, it was like you had a couple big meets each year and that was it. And, but I think before Olympic trials, because we had done so much mental preparation, um, I had my cue words and I wasn't thinking as much. So there was much more of like a trust in the process Mm-hmm. And just let it go. So you do all the training, you do all the analyzing in practice. And once you get to the meet, that's not the time to analyze things or change things. It's more the time to just trust the training, trust your body and let it go. And mm-hmm. at trials, I feel like I had that. Um, and then in college, I had a whole mental routine. I had cue words before I every beam routine. I did a little click with my throat because that put me into my zone. I did a little mm-hmm. shoulder roll. You know, I had my cues and then I would just say, you got this. And then I would go. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think the mental training piece was just huge and being able to not feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders before right. you <sighs> mount in front of thousands of people. <laughs> was that the Foresters that did all that mental training with you or was that a, a yeah. systematic thing? That was that. Was, yeah, that was Tom and Lori. Yep. We would do it after our morning practices. We read through the book and we would talk about it and yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take you back a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it's fun. Oh, good. It's supposed to be fun. <laughs> it's fun remembering what my body used to be able to do. <laughs> Oh my gosh. (laughs) All right. So what is this? Okay. So I guess this was 1993 junior. So junior Lee at the U S classic on balance beam. Gosh, I remember that leotard so vividly. Yes. I love that (laughs) leotard. It was the crushed velvet, you know, Uh we didn't have all the sparkles that they, so I did a backhand spring layout, layout. 
my back was so flexible. (laughs) Your back was very flexible. (laughs) Yes. That's maybe why I had back problems. (laughs) So I actually had to take out straddle jumping um, about a year later because I tore my hamstring. This was probably like the last beam routine that I did a lot of straddle jumps. You had some height on that front aerial. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. It's like extra floaty. (laughs) Uh, and I did two two series in this beam routine, so backhand spring, two foot layout, two foot preparing for my dismount. Full turn was always like a little nerve wracking. Oh, the full I turn! I had to wobble on my full turn more than more than most. Oh, you're not alone. So <laughs> yeah. how how old were you there? Double back. Oh, uh, and I'm sorry, or- I got to back up for a second. Look at the landing mat. That is a what is that four inch? Hard mat on top of a basketball court. <laughs> we didn't How have, is, I don't know if we had sting mats. I don't think we had sting mats. We didn't put, yeah, one mat. Like, Ow. how is that okay? Ow, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I stuck it. <laughs> you sure did. You better stick it or you hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Or else. So, yeah, how old were you in that? I was in 93. 13. You were 13. 13? Yeah. So, how quickly did you get? To elite. I mean, so look at you at U.S. Classics at 13, mm-hmm. you know, how, how did that rise happen through the levels? Um, well, I mean, I guess going way back, I started gymnastics in Germany at a little club on our military post. Oh, really? And then, yeah, then we moved to Colorado because my dad was in the army and I trained at a gym called Gymnastics Institute mm-hmm. and I was training with the hot shots. So when I was little, I, I had some talent, you know, and so they put me in with the hot shot group and kind of progressed through the levels. I started doing exhibition routines before, because mm-hmm. at that I think you were able to compete at nine back then. And so I would do exhibitions for class one, which, you know, mm-hmm. that was back. I remember in that. Yeah. So I was like seven, eight years old doing exhibition for class one. And then when I actually was able to compete, what was it called? I don't even remember what it was. It's equivalent of like level nine, I guess, right. when I was nine. And then my coach was trying to, um, I kind of was starting to get burned out at the age of 10, but we tried to go elite then. That wow. was my first year that I tried to go elite with my coach, um, Lang Franzini, back in Gymnastics Institute. And I just kind of got burnt out and ended up switching gyms and took a year off, um, just not competing at all and played and was just a kid and ended up going to a zone meet when I was 12 and did awful, you know. But I saw Tom and Lori there with Donnie and Kim Young and Missy Leopoldis. And I was like, I, I want to train there. And so my family made the sacrifice and we ended up commuting from Aurora, Colorado to the Springs, which was like an hour drive there and back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, tried to go elite with them starting that year, 93. That's when we made the big move. And so I made national team that year, 93. Wow. You know, I wanted to ask you this too, because it, you know, saying 10 years old going elite and I'm like, I, and I remember reading, you know, the magazines that we used to get and seeing like that, it, I mean, it was rare being elite at all is rare, but at that time for the elites that were there, that was kind of, I mean, Jenny Thompson and Dominique Mucciano were like nine or something. I mean, just crazy. And I, I kind of think of it like there, there is a lot of ego in gymnastics coaching. Not that every single gymnastics coach has an inflated ego. I'm never going to say that because we are, that's how we started, right? We're talking about that, but it does exist. And from an outside, what it looks like to me was that when the minimum age for the Olympic team was 14, Mm -hmm. coaches heard that and thought, okay, so my kids should be elite by 10. So like they heard 14 minimum age as, well, then that's the age. If you're older than that, then you fail. Right, right. Like 16 is old. Like it's I old. need 14, right? Because that's what the rules say. And it, they never said you couldn't be older than 14, but it's right. for some reason, it was like everybody was rushing, rushing, rushing to get these kids into elite by 10 years old so that yeah. they could peak at 14 just because they wanted to have the youngest kid on the team. And then it changed to 16 and you could kind of see a little bit of slowing down of the process Mm -hmm. because (laughs) they always had the time. You could always wait till they were 16, 
but we wanted to be the first and the fastest. And now that things are changing again, I just feel like it it goes, whatever that minimum age is for the Olympics seems to affect the way that training happens and the speed at which it happens and the perception of what's young and what's old and when they should be there. It's nice to see now that, you know, there's a lot more science behind it and and coaches being more educated in not just the the technical training, but everything else that goes into it to create a well-rounded whole athlete and not just a a little flipping machine. Right. (laughs) Yes, I know. It's getting so much better and I'm, I'm really thankful for that. It's cool to see, you know, Simone's 24 and, she would have been ancient back then, right? You know? right? Like, yeah, four years old. Exactly. This exactly. Is getting more the norm. Thank goodness. All right, we've got one last one here, and we're going to shift gears. And what I'm really curious about here is the the feelings that you had in those first two videos, which were obviously when you were 13, when you were 16, one was you're just entering into the elite world. And one is when you're at, you know, the big show Olympic trials. I'm just curious watching this next one, what kind of feelings it evoke and if it's a lot different. Okay. Okay. Have you seen this? Yes. Uh, Oh my gosh. Oh, I loved your hair so much. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I remember being like, I wish I could do that and look that cute, but I can't. (laughs) See, that was my little shoulder roll. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so, I mean, watching it now, it's definitely, it's emotional for many reasons because I miss a healthy body. Um, and I have a deeper appreciation for what I was able to do back then. You know, it was just kind of the norm. This is just what you do every day. And uh, and watching it now, it's like such an appreciation for what I was able to do. And, oh, and I choreographed this beam routine. So it was kind of my own. You know, I could yeah. perform it the way that I wanted to. And I wish that I could still <laughs> flip. <laughs> so that series right there, handspring, handspring layout, was yeah. that something that was, was that pretty simple for you considering that you were doing hand lay lay for so long? Like, did you get to have that feeling of like, I'm going to go to an meet and I don't have to do the hardest, newest skills that I have and worry about making them? Like, did you, did you feel yeah. like you got to kind of step back and do the ones that your difficulty was still huge because you had yeah. gone so far? Did you feel that? Yeah. Well, and I also, that hamstring injury that I had that was so awful, I couldn't do layout layout anymore because it would really yank on my hamstring. So I switched to the two handsprings to layout step out. Did you go into this beam routine feeling like I, I'm going to hit this? Or did you go in feeling like, oh, I hope this works I out? I did. I felt really confident at this meet. This was Good. NCAA team competition, which was a very bittersweet moment because I won the all around this meet, but our team Mm -hmm. didn't advance to the super six. So I was the last in the lineup here and we had had two falls before me. And so I knew that I had to hit and, but I had my routine, you know, I just had my, I knew I could go up there and, and do what I do and practice every day. What a great feeling is that, you know, after all those years of, you know, the stress of having to do your hardest stuff in the yeah. moment and, and then to be able to go, okay, I got this. That must be just so much yeah. more enjoyable. And I could do more dance and dance was always my kind of expertise. And so I could move my body and express in the way that I really, you know, wanted to without having to throw so many skills. Even what you were doing was choreography wise was not super complicated and avant-garde. It was yeah. just so polished and nuanced and that's to me that's what why you stood out so much it was just this just I I think nuance is the word that I keep thinking of when I when I watch you do beam and floor yeah so pretty so there's this thing I don't know if it was in this routine that's why I paused it Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was a routine I saw where you're you're sitting in a double stag on on beam like sideways and you kind of you do movement sitting on the beam in a double stag which again doesn't sound like yeah, so what? But it's like oh. things like that, just taking mm-hmm. the time to explore 
as what could be just a simple movement or a pose was what I think elevated your artistry as well. Oh, thank you. Boom. And then the dismount and <laughs> had to hold on to that landing. <laughs> ah. Oh, you look so happy. I was. <laughs> I mean, we were comp- performing in front of, you know, 10,000 plus people and, and there's Megan giving me a hug, which she was always there, you know, at the end of all of our beam routines to support us, whether we, we fell or hit it, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. Oh, that really brings back <laughs> special memories. That was a great, great competition. Another zone performance, you know, where it was like, mm-hmm. I don't remember much about it. I just <laughs> kind of put things on automatic. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see just just being able to enjoy and kind of reap the benefits of all your hard work and and the ups and downs because mm. that's what brings you to where you end up, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I just have a, a couple other questions for you. One thing I wanted to ask you was, are you are you following gymnastics right now? Yeah, very you much do so. follow it. <laughs> yeah. So, so what did you what did you think when Tom got named to that role? Is that something that you ever expected for him to do? Oh my and gosh. I well, no, I didn't really expect it. Um, I was very happy that he did. I was very happy that he did. I mean, Lori's like a, a mom to me, and so we were we were keeping in touch, and you know, so I kind of knew that it, there was talk about it, and. Um, and then when he decided to take it, I was like, this is really good. I think this is going to be good for our sport. Um, he has so much experience, both as an elite coach, as a clinician, and then he also doesn't have his own athlete right now. So he can kind of take that broader perspective and, Mm -hmm. um, and I know what they're like as people that they are just genuinely good people. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to kind of bring our sport back on. Yes, thank. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, I'm really happy about it. And he's very open to learning new things and, and changing whatever needs to be changed to make it right. Yeah. It's, I mean, that is, that is not a role that doesn't come without scrutiny. And I think no matter what you do in that role, it's, you know, and there is a saying, though. You know you've made it when people complain about what you're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And people just want to complain these days. It's yep. And it's easier to do on social media because, you know, you don't have a direct contact with that person. It's just like I can blast this out and it's not to their face. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, if if things change for you, I think you would be such an incredible asset to the new culture That is hopefully continuing to grow with our sport in this country and, you know, just with your experience, but also I, you know, I see the stuff that you're doing now with wellness and Mm -hmm. that's, that's the stuff that was missing. And, and you can be, you can be intense. You can, you can work your ass off. You can even have a coach that pushes you maybe a little more than you think you can handle. Mm -hmm. Know, because that's where you're going to get outside of your comfort zone. So yeah. all of that stuff, you can have that and also be incorporating wellness into what you do. Yes. And I think that's what needs to change is that people are so scared of, well, we can't be too nice because then they're not going to work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. they didn't become elite athletes because they don't have a work ethic. Like, let's, let's right. relax. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. They burn out because they don't have the wellness aspect. So. Yeah. It's yeah. a buffer. That's that's why I'm trying to bring things like, you know, mindfulness practices, meditation. It's a tool. It's not a cure-all. It doesn't fix everything, but it's a tool that's very, very powerful. And it's that buffer because, you know, in gymnastics, there's no way around the judgment. There's no way around the criticism. And we begin to internalize it. And so if we can train our mind in a way through mindfulness to be a little bit more less critical Maybe right. even if it's just outside the gym, it's like, it's this mm-hmm. buffer that we have. Yes, absolutely. So um, <laughs> have you listened to any of the shows, by the way? Yeah. And it's okay. I, yeah, I listened to a couple of them with Mohini and Justin and Sam. <laughs> okay. 
So you might oh, know Daniela, what I'm about. Daniela Silvas. Oh, wasn't she great? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She that was great. really fun. All of them. I just, I've, I've been having so much fun with everybody. So you might know what I'm about to ask you. That has <laughs> nothing to do with gymnastics, but something to do with food. Mm, I think you <laughs> might know where you're going with this, <laughs> but I don't know what I'll say. Go ahead. Well, well, the question is, and I, I can tell you we're, you know, we continuing to make progress with this. I just did a, an interview with an actor the other day and he, what did he say? Oh my gosh, it was so good. But he agreed with me that the shrimp tail serves a purpose in shrimp cocktail because it is the handle. Yeah. Oh, I know what he said. He goes, because he has, he knows about crawfish. He doesn't know a lot about fish. He said, you know, if the tail is still on, you know what also is still in there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, have you ever heard the phrase eat? And I'm like, yeah. oh, gross. So he didn't give me a solution or a reason that it's happening or a solution to fix it. But he gave me more ammo for the argument that those things need to be removed. Take them off. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's really gross. I don't think I'll ever eat shrimp again. <laughs> <laughs> Just take the tails off. It's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you have any input on this very important topic? <laughs> Not really. I mean, I, the handle part makes sense to me. You know, I guess I've always thought of it as a handle. Like that's where you pick it up and it's not as slimy. and Right. Um, but I don't have a handle on my meatball when I get spaghetti and meatballs. So like what's up with it in right. pasta and soups? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, I guess I'm thinking of as more as like when you dip it into cocktail sauce, but if it's yeah. in a dish, yeah, to have the tail on doesn't make any sense to me. No, yeah. Especially right. if there's poop in it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Now we've really, we've got some ammo now. We're like ready for a petition, hashtag <laughs> right. shrimp tails. Right. <laughs> tails no more. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I just, yes. you know, it feels good every time to be validated. Yep. I support it. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so my final question for you is when I say joy, what does that make you think of? Mm. It's really, um, I think it's just the feeling in my body of a freedom of expression, a safety, and connection with people that I love, you know, friends, family, and nature. So it's a very like deep nourishing connection that's safe. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. All right. So is there anything you would like to share as far as what you are up to or would you like people to know about what you're doing or if they want to connect with you? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the mindfulness piece that I mentioned before, I have a course online called Mindfulness in Sport. And um, and it really just focuses on how this practice of present moment awareness that's free of judgment can change our brain in very amazing ways and that it can affect the athletic performance positively and outside of the gym as well. So um and I love doing one-on-one -on -one consulting with athletes. So, you know, if there's any athlete in need of that, I, I really think that the practice of mindfulness and meditation can be powerful tools in both performance and in overall health and well-being, just kind of like healing the relationship with ourself. The website is fit. So it's F-I-T-I-N-T-U-I-T.com. Fit right. into it is my yep. website, yeah. But the course that I offer is the mindfulness and sport. And I also offer one, Who Am I Now? The Transition to Life After Sport, because that's a big oh. one, you know, just who who am I now that I don't have my sport and my teammates and- Yeah, yeah. you are so needed. Holy cow. Okay, I want everybody to know about this. <laughs> so I will, I will link your website in the show notes. And Perfect. is there an email address that you wanted to share? Sure. Yeah. It's Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A at fit-intuit.com. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so uh, much for spending some you. time with me today yeah. and taking a chance on a stranger. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I and I think there's, yeah, I think there's some really important stuff in here for people to hear and to uh, just get a better picture of 
the gymnastics that you had, the experience that you had. And I think that that fits into a larger puzzle, but it's important to know all the pieces. So thank you for sharing that with us and keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. This episode makes me think about our Yelp culture and how people are so quick to complain and more importantly, to share their complaints with the world but they're not necessarily as quick to compliment. And seeing, I know you guys couldn't see, but seeing Teresa's face when she heard the compliments from Vanessa, from her coaches, from Christy, was just such a beautiful thing and so impactful to her. And I think that we need a little bit more of that in our world. Well, that's it for today. I want to thank Teresa for her time and for sharing her experiences with us. Remember, if you want to see the videos that we discuss on the show, just check the show notes and there's a YouTube link and you can see a playlist for each guest. I just want to remind everybody on Labor Day weekend, I will be at the Gymnastics Association of Texas convention where I will be giving some presentations as well as holding a booth in the exhibit hall. I'll be there along with Wendy Bruce, who is an Olympic bronze medalist, like you don't know, and the owner of Get Psyched, mental toughness training for athletes. Joining Wendy and I will also be Shira Lewis, who is a doctor of physical therapy specializing in gymnastics. Now coaches, we know that athletes aren't the only ones with aches and pains. So come by the booth because Shira is actually going to be offering free movement screens. That means she's going to hang out with you for a few minutes and let you know what you can be doing differently to make your body feel way more comfortable on your day-to-day coaching. So if you're going to be in Texas at GET, come find our booth. Thank you guys for continuing to listen. If you're enjoying this show, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And also please spread the word of this show to everyone you know. You can follow me at YouThinkPod on Twitter, which is a great place to leave feedback and also guest requests. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Nicole Langevin Consultant. And if you want to keep up with the events that I'm involved in, you can go to precisionchoreo.com backslash registration. Thanks again, everyone. And until next time, keep thinking outside the box.